Damn. So that's that's kind of that may be a tough social media. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. What's the number one problem all businesses face? It's not sales, marketing, or product market fit. It's hiring. We know just how hard it is, so we've compiled 25 hiring tips from top CEOs that I've interviewed here on Growth Everywhere and put it into a free resource just for you. Text 25 tips to 33444 to get the free resource now. Again, it is 25 to number 25 tips, T-I-P-S, to double three triple four, and you'll get the free resource. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview entrepreneurs and bring you business and personal growth tips. Today, we have the co-founder of Wet Shave Club, which delivers shaving goods monthly to your door. And his name is Rohan Gilks. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yep, perfect. All right, Rohan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being on the show. So why don't we start off with uh, you know, a little bit about your background and you know, how it led up to uh, what you do right now. Sure, sure. Um, I guess... Um, if I went back just a few years, you know, um, my background is more in accounting, pretty weird. But I started kind of teaching myself internet marketing about five years ago and building online businesses and trying different things from dating sites to affiliate marketing, kind of like the whole, you know, the, the kind of standard process for learning internet marketing and trying things. And um, along the way, I had some failures and some wins. And, um, you know, Wet Shift Club is kind of, kind of the latest project that I'm working on right now. Got it. And, you know, Wet Shave Club, I mean, how are you doing right now in terms of revenues and number of customers? Sure. So um, this month is the end of our first year. And we will end this first year of business at 350000 in revenue. And um, and that equates to about um, uh, fifteen or so hundred um, subscribers. Wow. Okay, it's incredible. It's only in year one. Yeah. Yeah. This is year one for us. Uh huh. Okay. Cool. So why don't you tell us? You know, there's there's a backstory behind this, and this all starts sure. with Reddit, right? So can you tell us about the Reddit story? Sure. Sure. So I, you know, I really love Reddit. Our entrepreneur and I hang out there almost every day. And um, I was on one day, and there was a guy that had started a wet shave club and wanted to sell it. I think at the time he had about 40 subscribers and he was doing about $300 per month. And I guess it wasn't really taken off as well as he would have liked. And he just made a post saying, you know, talking about the company and saying that he's looking to sell it. And I saw it and I figured, you know, I could probably give it a shot. And, um, we wrapped it up the same week. I, I made an offer, um, exchanged the passwords and stuff for the website, and that was it. And I started, um, you know, rebranding the company and and um, completely retooling it and relaunching a month later. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you don't often hear about stories like that. So, I mean, 
you know, Reddit often, I'm reading, you know, I love our, our entrepreneur. I love our startups. There's just all yeah. these subreddits, but there's just so much noise. And it looks yeah. like you're a heavy Reddit user. So, you know, what do you usually read? And then how do you filter out the junk? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I am a super heavy Reddit user. Um, yeah, I'm usually, um, I'm usually between our entrepreneur, our entrepreneur ride along, which is a subreddit I started where I talked about um, building local businesses and then also our startups. And I usually just end up on the, the first page like most people. And um, I'm kind of looking at, um, at posts that include metrics. Those are the ones that interest me the most. So um, I, posts like, you know, I have a, a really nice idea for this, for this um, business. I probably would not click on those. But posts that say, you know, I'm six months in business, um, $100,000 in revenue, and here's what we think we can do to get to the next level. Posts like that will be ones that I will spend my most spend the most time checking out and engaging with um, uh, folks there. So yeah, I just look for the ones that have some type of metrics, and those are the ones that that, that I kind of spend some time reading. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Now the. With Reddit, I mean, you know, is there, I mean, are you, you know, constantly trying to evaluate other businesses to purchase right now or just, uh, is this more like a one-time deal? Oh, yeah. So this is more like a one-time deal. Like for me, yeah. So I, I, I spent time on Reddit just to hang out and exchange ideas about business. So this was just like a, you know, a lightning strike type thing. It could happen again if we ran across something like that again. But um, yeah, this, this is more of a one-time thing. Yeah. Got it. Okay, so after you acquired the business, I mean, how did you go about acquiring your first 100 customers after you bought the business? Uh, sure. Um, our first 100 customers we got from sending, fighting influencers and sending them a free wet shave box. So those influencers, they're like two groups. One group would be people that are really, really deep in the wet shaving community. So they're they're like you know, people on forums and people on Instagram and Facebook that love wet shaving and they have a lot of followers, we would send them a free box and say, hey, you know, we would love you to take a look at our box and let us know what you think. And if they like it, they will write a review for us or mention it on their social media. And that's where we kind of got our first set of customers after we took the company over. Um, and the second group of influencers for us were people that were not primarily in the wet shaving community, but these were people that were subscription box reviewers. So there are all these blogs and YouTubers that all they do is write blog articles about subscription box companies and also review their products online as well. So we just sent those people boxes, um, you know, take a look. Um, so each box would probably, you know, let's say the box costs us about, you know, 10 to $12 at the time, we would benefit by getting a lot of traffic sent to us from those influencers. And, 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 and that was our initial push. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you go about finding these influencers? What tools are you using? What does your process look like? How does that, the whole shebang look? Yeah. This is going to be pretty, um, this part is going to be pretty boring because I mean, all we did was Google. We Googled for subscription box reviewers, subscription box blogs. Um, we also went on um, Instagram and did some like, like kind of like searches 
um, for like for wet shaving and so on. Um, you also went on Twitter and searched like some of the like the top um, hashtags um, for wet shaving and found the people that interacted with those most. So it's kind of like very low tech stuff where we just did like searches on these platforms. Um, as we became more popular, then um, you know like one person would refer another person. Or people would actually find us and reach out to us with offers to review our products. But the initial push was very, very um, low-tech, google.com, and, and start searching. Okay. So can, yeah. you, can you kind of walk through that process a little more? Maybe like, you know, sure. what, how many people are involved, things like that? How many, uh, you know, how many reach outs you sent per day, stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah, we created a spreadsheet on Drive where we would just – first go out and try to get as many as possible. Like we ended up probably with about 200 people that we wanted to reach out to. And, and then we would probably say, you know, if we can, you know, get to like 10 or so per day, you know, we can wrap it up pretty quickly. And then um, we had like a separate column where we would track if people responded or not, what the response was and where they were in the pipeline. Like, did we send them a box yet or not? Um, you know, like, do we have their address? Um, did they respond? Did they receive the box? Did the review go up or not? So we kind of had, like, this, you know, a pretty, a pretty big spreadsheet where we tracked all of this, but just all on Google Drive. And um, so I would say, you know, for about every 100 people we contacted, probably about 25 or so of them would end up actually posting a review for us of some type okay and what did yeah. that outreach email look like because i mean 25 percent conversion rate that's pretty damn good so what what did that uh outreach email look like oh yeah so um it's super super short it was something like you know hi you know i'm rohan from uh, wet shave club you can, um we are launching our men's shaving box in a few weeks and we'll love you to take a look um you know, if you're interested, um, shoot us your address and we'll get a box in the mail for you by tomorrow. Something really, really, really short like that, straight to the point, and we included a link to, to the website. And that was it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So you, you asked them to pretty much check it out. And it doesn't seem like you were very aggressive with it either, right? You were just, hey, just check it out. And then it's not so much, hey, you have to leave a review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 absolutely right. So... We don't want it to be like, hey, um, confirm with us that you'll leave us a review. And if you say yes, we'll send you a box. No, you definitely don't want to do that. Got it. Um, you want to be more like, you know, you know, if you like it, you know, if you, 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 if you say a few words, we would appreciate it. And okay. just make it more of a, a more friendly um, thing that is a win-win for everybody involved. And no pressure at all. And, and that's really how we still do it to this day. Okay. There's no pressure. If you like it and you feel motivated, um, you know, we'll definitely appreciate the shout out. Okay. So yeah. now, you know, now that you guys have gotten to, you know, six figures in, in one year and, and again, major accomplishment, right? So are you guys still doing this uh, outreach type of stuff or have you guys moved on from that? Um, no, we, we still do this. So this is, this is probably the, the thing that gives us the most predictable subscribers like like you know we still do you know like traditional facebook marketing uh, well we're not doing as much facebook marketing now but 
we, we ran Facebook marketing, we did retargeting, we did all of the other like um, traditional internet marketing things. But doing this for us um, allows us to, to kind of reach a large customer base at a very low cost. Um, so yeah, it's something that we're going to continue to do like all the time and, and, and we still send boxes out e- even now. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. No. So do you have like a, I mean, now that you guys have gotten bigger, do you have a specialist dedicated to it? And if so, is this person more like part-time? Are they like overseas, like a VA doing this? What, what does that look like? Uh-huh. Yeah. So we have um, Taylor. She's here in our office. Mm. Um, she's full t- full-time. Um, so, you know, she would send out um, as many emails as possible during the week, but then she works on other things as well. She will work on um, getting us press, um, getting us um, hooked, hooked up with um, um, people that we would partner with um, in our box. So say you're another subscription box company and you would put like a, uh, like a flyer in one of our boxes and we would put your flyer um, you know, like we will exchange flyers and cross market to our customer base. So she would she, she would look for those relationships for us, um, and then you know help pack boxes. You know, we're a small company, so we kind of do everything. Um, so that's kind of how it works. Like that's not the only thing she works on, but it's, it is a big part of her role. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, people have been, I mean, you know, you, you hear a lot of grumblings about people talking about how subscription box services are quote unquote dying. You know, why do you think the sentiment is first thing and what are your thoughts around it? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm always like really weary about the like ideas around subscription box companies in general like people would say um subscription box companies are oversaturated or they're dying or there's something something else but when you think about it at the core a subscription box company is just an e-commerce store where you have customers that have agreed to purchase from you every single month but they're not that different from just an online store we send the product and, and this person has said, you know what, next month I'm going to buy from you again. So um, so when people say stuff about subscription box, com- subscri- subscription box companies, I kind of say, like, you know, you can say the same thing about e-commerce stores, but then it becomes like a very weird conversation. So, um, so that's, that's just like a major caveat uh, that I have to mention before I even like, think about if they're dying in general. And... Um, so yeah, for us, things have been okay because if you have a company that allows you to have recurring revenue, you can do a lot with your customer acquisition, i.e. your customer acquisition costs can be a lot higher because the lifetime value of that customer is going to be higher. And, you know, most of our customers are going to hang around from, three months to six months, seven months. We have customers that have been here from the, for the life of the company. So that allows us to, to be a lot more creative with how we find these customers because we can pay quite a bit more. And you can't beat that. You can't beat that in e-commerce to have like that type of built-in recurring revenue. So that's kind of my, my general take on that. Like, it is the best situation you could be in as far as online e-commerce goes. 
Got it. Okay. Yeah. So what's working? I mean, what's, you know, you guys started with the, the outreach stuff first and you guys are still doing it. Yeah. Um, what is, what's working for you? What's the major user acquisition channel for you guys right now? How, how does it allow you guys to get to the scale that you're at right now? Yeah. So beyond, beyond the, um, the reviews and, and working with influencers, um, we're doing really well now on social media. So we started out using Facebook ads to, to get folks um, to the website and get them to convert. And then we use retargeting in case they did not convert the first time. They will still see our ads on other websites they visited and maybe they'll come back and convert. So those work well. But the acquisition costs um, for Facebook um, has been trended upwards. And that's probably standard for, for most um, e-commerce businesses. Um, Facebook's competition is getting a little bit tighter. So we didn't, uh, but, but during the time we were using Facebook as a customer acquisition um, spot, we were able to build up our Facebook um, fans. Uh, followers and also our Twitter and Instagram people as well. And and now we have a pretty large social media base. And now we're able to leverage that social media base to to drive customers. So we would run contests. Like our last contest, we ended with 20,000 entries um, using Gleam.io, if your folks um, want to check that out. Um, uh, so what that does is says, you know, enter our contest, but in order to enter, you need to follow us on Facebook or retweet our contest on Twitter or follow us on Instagram, something like, something like that. So it really allows us to leverage our, our social media, leverage their social media, and, and, and really get a lot of people looking at our uh, product. So, um, yeah, social media for us now is probably the number two thing, and number three for us is probably emails. Okay, great. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at your Instagram page right now, and you guys do a really good job. I mean, you know, the, the you know the, the quality of the the pictures is exceptional, and you guys are doing all this text all the time. So what's what's the whole process around this? How do how do people get their Instagram page to look like yours? Oh, okay, cool. Well, thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. Um, for us, we try to do you know because Instagram is like super super visual. So if you have a product that connects visually and it appeals to people on some type of emotional level, you can do really, really well with, um, on Instagram. So what we did, um, we went on Amazon and we bought like a little um, like photo booth thing. I don't know if you've ever seen one where it's kind of like a, a, like a white photo thing with a light and you can put your products in there and it comes out really, really professionally looking. Um, so we take some professional product pictures and we also, um, Julia, one of our employees, she's really, really good with graphic design. So she will help us, you know, create like contest looking images or regular, you know, Instagram quotes that would work well or, you know, things that people would like to share on Instagram. And if you kind of create really, really high quality image images, they're going to do well. Um, so we post um, every single day um and kind of engage with our people and um try to make it like as full of an experience as possible okay are there any yeah. tools that your designer uses around this uh, you know canva or anything like that um i i think everything is just regular photoshop got it yeah 
Okay, yeah, this this looks good. I wish my my Instagram looked like this, but it's, it's the personal <laughs> one. But um, everyone, this is uh, Instagram.com Wet Shave Club. Spell it all out. Um, and I'm noticing here. Okay, so you have 11.8k followers. I usually mm-hmm. don't talk about Instagram much, which is why I'm interested in this. But yeah, you have 12,000 followers, but then you have 7,500 that you're following at the same time. So are you? And you know, feel free to um, you know, if this is a trade secret, you need to re- you need to reveal it. But are you using some some type of software here? Because usually when the follower count and the the following count is kind of close, it, you know, there's some form of automation here. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I have no problem revealing it. Um. So. One of the things that we use is this product called Instagress. But there, there are like a whole host of them that do pretty much the same thing. And what it does at its core is say, show me the people that are using keywords that um, may relate to our product. So some person may mention um, uh, wet shaving or some person may mention shaving brush or something along those lines so these are people that we will be very very interested in engaging with and that program would reach out and and um, follow those people and quite often enough those people will follow us back and that's how we were able to that's one of the ways we were able to build our instagram following Got it. Okay. So it, yeah, I'm looking at Instagram right now and you know, Instagram, I mean, they, they've had to deal with spam words and stuff in the past. So is this yeah. against their term of rules or I, I mean, does this work? Um, I think that the problem is the number of API calls. So mm-hmm. for people that, that use Instagram or use any, you know, social media tool that has any automation, um, I would be very careful in making sure that you spend time um, building the account organically first, and then um, you know maybe you can start trying your hand at some automated um, products. But if you just create a new account and just plug in you know some auto- automation tool, it, it may create some flags and it may cause you some problems. Okay, so yeah. w- at what point should an account start following? At, at like, what amount of followers should someone start, uh, you know, automating? Um, I mean, that, that's that's a good question. Like, like for us, we would probably look to get to like two thousand, um, and and probably that number for Twitter as well before you start trying some additional things. Um, it's it's kind of tough though, man, because you know I would rather not give like some specific number and then. <laughs> people like follow that and then they get crushed because all this stuff brings um some risk you know at you know someday twitter may, may wake up and say hey all these auto follow tools you know that you guys are using they're gonna you know suspend your account for a month or something so all this stuff could happen so there's risk involved if you're going to use any um automation tools at all that's totally fine. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll, I mean, we'll just go off based your experience and they can, yeah. you know, the audience, whoever wants to try it can take, do it at their own <laughs> risk. Um, I, I think it's always good to just experience share. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, you, I, I mean, the challenges, a, a lot of tech people that listen to this, you know, they're, they're par- probably involved with software companies, right? So tell us some, about some of the challenges with shipping on a physical product and really how you dealt with it. Oh yeah, absolutely. So shipping, Shipping can be, yes, it's a challenge and it's kind of like a black box for people that may be new to e-commerce, which we were when we started. Um, we were lucky enough that when I bought the company, it was already on CreateJoy. 
quitjoy.com, they're kind of like um, for users that have never heard of them, I guess I would equate them to um, they are two subscription box services, what Shopify is to e-commerce, like regular single product e-commerce. So they're, they're really, really good. Uh, um, it's a really good platform for subscription box services. And so using them, their platform ties into ShipStation and Indicia. So Indicia allows us to um, pretty much buy shipping online. And that integrates perfectly with the actual um, um, ship station that deals with, 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 with uh, your addresses and the shipping information, the product, and so on. And it's all fully integrated. So all we need to do is, you know, log into our account, print the shipping labels. It has the address on there and the postage and everything. Attach it to our boxes, and USPS shows up every day and takes them. And that's kind of how, um, that's kind of like where people should try to get to, where you just print it out, ship, and you're done. Got it. Cool. So, yeah. I mean, do you guys have a, a I remember re- reading your Reddit post, you guys have an, uh, a warehouse right now as well? Yeah, we have a warehouse here next. Um, it's connected to our office in Tampa. Um, and um, the U- it's right by the airport, so it works well. So the USPS guy comes. He picks up the boxes and then heads straight to the airport. We're like one of his last stops before the airport. So it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Got it. Okay. So, yeah. you know, backtracking a little bit, why don't you walk us through, I mean, how you got to the, the 300K mark? I mean, like, you know, um, how many months did it take you to get to the first 100K? And like, what did yeah. you, you do after? Can you just walk us through that trajectory? Yeah, sure. So we got to the first 100K at the six-month mark. And... Um, but I'll actually take a step back and say that, you know, when we started in May, I think we may have done, we may have done like 6,000 in May, actually. And then um, in the, over the next two months, we did about um, 40 or so K. And then we um, finished that up um, over the next couple of months um, by like about... Um, September-ish, we got our first 100,000, and that's when I made the post on Reddit. Um, so what was happening was um, all those, like each time we got a box to an influencer, we would get sign-ups from that. And then some of those people that signed up, they would become influencers as well in some way, um, where they would either tell a friend, some of them would make a blog post for us even though we didn't request it, um, they would send in pictures of themselves um, with their box, which we would then repost on social media. Um, we created a a, um, a private group for our customers so we could build deeper relationships with them. Um, it was almost like if um, we had like a focus group of, of, of people that would tell us things that they liked, things that they did not like, and we would be able to make those adjustments on the fly. So... As we were growing our customer base, we were also growing the depth of the relationship and uh, having a like, two-way conversation with them and, and, and taking all this information and sourcing really, really good product. So this, all this activity kind of grew and, and grew upon itself. The more customers we got, the more the word got out, the more customers we got, 
and it kept it kept going like that. So like um, 100k by like September ish, and then we did another 200k or so between um, September and um, and and this month. Um, okay, and so, what was the main driver behind the additional 200k on top? Um, I, I would say the two things that were probably most important for probably the, the three things was we started to get really good at social media and we, we really started turning up contest after contest after contest. So like really take a look at gleam. If you guys are going to, um, you know, kind of try to like really leverage social media, like gleam did a really good job for Is us. Is it gleam with the, with the N at the end? With the M G L E A M as in Mary. Okay. Dot IO. Got it. So we would start to do contests and, you know, like the first one was like 10,000 entries. Now we're up to like 20,000 entries with the latest one. So Gleam really helped us by um, making our con- our contest go viral. Um, yeah. Yeah. That really helped out quite a bit. Would you say that's the main thing that, you know, doing these contests and, the, you know, generating that quote unquote virality for you guys? I would say that that may be, it's probably in the top one or two things. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I mean, a product like yours is inherently social, right? I mean, people mm-hmm. like sharing, you know, stuff that makes them look good. So yes. what about software companies? I mean, how would, you know, how would they utilize contests like this? Cause you don't hear a lot of software companies talking about contests too often. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. So like for, for, yeah, for software companies, it probably would be tougher. It would be tougher because there isn't the, here is the thing and here's what it looks like, right? So that here's the thing and here's what it looks like and here's what it's going to look like when you put it on or when you wear it or when you or when you spray it on your body or something. So it becomes a little bit tougher. But I think that you can still do some stuff with software companies if um, what people use the software for kind of solves uh, some type of major problem that people would like to share. So... So say, um, you know, like, so say, say, say you're a Shopify. I mean, it, it's, it's at its core a software co- company, but the result is a business that can change your life, right? So like for me, if, if, if this were me and I, and I were creating like a kind of social media campaign around Shopify, it would be, it would show people like on the beach somewhere, like relaxing, you know, sipping on some, margaritas or whatever and like kind of like this is the end result of working with shopify and building a business and being able to have financial freedom and being able to have like to work from anywhere or something like something along those lines so i still think that there's opportunities for software companies to level leverage social media if they end up talking about the result that that human being is going to get by using their software Got it. Okay. Yeah. So going back to your contest, when you're, when you're using Gleam, um, are you promoting it through Facebook or you know, Facebook advertising? Are you driving traffic through that? Is that kind of the main thing? or? Yeah. So super question because with Gleam, you can't just set it and forget it, right? So, I mean, that's an awesome question. You have to um, kind of see the contest a little bit. And you can see it in quite a few ways. So if you have money, that's great. If you have money, then you can, you know, you can do a simple Facebook ad for a couple dollars. You could boost a Facebook post. 
you could post it on a relevant subreddit on Reddit. So say we're a shaving company. There are quite a few shaving subreddits. So you could be like, you know, you could post the contest on Don't they there. they hate it when you do that though, when you're self-promotional? They do, but there, there are ways that you can do it and there are ways that, that, that we did it. So, so say, you know, you could be like, we have, we're thinking about launching this wet shave club company what are some of the products that you guys would like to see in a company like this? So instead of it becoming like, you know, I'm really self-promoting and I'm trying to sell this product, you're really kind of engaging with the community to see the things that they like. And, and you know, because like folks in general, they want to help. And, and people would give you advice and say, hey, you know, I really, really like this soap. It would be cool if you guys have this in the box. And if you do, maybe come back and post it and we'd like to take a look. So you can kind of like really build a relationship and engage more before you actually say, hey, here's my contest. Um, I would love you to enter. You know what I mean? Uh, so you want to build, okay, so you're building a relationship with the, that subreddit and, and yeah. trying to get people to know you first. And then once you're confident that a good amount know you, then yeah. you don't have to worry about all the downvotes. Exactly. Exactly. If you just go in like, you know, <laughs> you just go in like from day one, like, hey, buy this or hey, you know, jump onto this contest. You, you will probably get crushed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That makes yeah. sense. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, cool. So everyone, um, you know, I'm guilty of this too. I mean, when we, when we get these interviews out, um, I just have my editor drop them on Reddit and yeah. sometimes it just gets, uh, you know, destroyed. So <laughs> that's just the way it is. Um, okay. So, you know, you, you talked about the challenges of shipping on a physical product and how you dealt with it. Can you tell us about one more big struggle you faced while growing the business? Oh, Okay. Yeah, actually, um, the the other big thing, probably the, the other biggest thing was product. So we started by going after finding product on Etsy. Kind of weird, right? It's kind of a surprise for a lot of people. But we, we found product on Etsy because if you are a super small company starting out, you're not going to be able to get in front of very, very large companies and have them work with you. It's going to be very, very, very difficult. But you could reach out to um, Etsy.com, find people there and say, hey, you know, we have this wet shave club company. We love your soaps or we love your aftershaves and we'd love to carry you in, in our box. Like, what would be the best wholesale rate you can give us? So that's what we did and it worked very well. But the problem then becomes what happens when you go from needing just 50 aftershaves to needing 500. I mean, you go from needing 500 to, to needing 1,500. That becomes a problem because most folks are creating this product in their homes or they have very, very small production facilities and they're not accustomed to providing product in the thousands. Um, so that's kind of, that was the biggest challenge for us where we had to then, you know, have very, very, very long lead times, which obviously is going to hurt cash flow. Um, <laughs> so it's something that, you know, if you start a company like this and you deal with small production folks, it's going to be a problem to solve. Um, and depending on your product, you may find, um, different ways to solve it than we did, but we solved it by longer production times, down payments, like, um, ordering from maybe two or three people at the same time for essentially the same product. Um, you know, you have to get really creative. Um, as far as product goes, got it. So these are all operational skills. So where do you, you know, where do you go learn this stuff? Where's the recommendation for people to pick this stuff up? 
Um, super question, bro. Um, I primarily, uh, I'll tell you, like, my experience has been jumping in, going on Google when I can, and for things I can't figure out um, through um, Googling a blog article or finding something somewhere, I just had to come up with a decision and, and run with it. But um, I definitely do not have like the operational and logistical experience that would make me great at this business. So we made a lot of mistakes along the way and just kind of figured things out. Um, I, I can't really say any, of any one place where, uh, where um, we found answers to these problems besides um, working at it and um, getting better every day and google.com whenever possible. Got it. Yeah, I like I like that how you're mentioning that, and that really hits a point home where you know people that are listening that haven't started their own business, um, and even people that I have that have, you know, it's you know the dancers are all out there, right? Um, this stuff isn't at the end of the day, it's it's all hard work. It's not that difficult, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean that that's really encouraging to hear. Um, so you know, it's only been one year for you, but was there at any point in time where the company was uh, close to the brink of failure, anything like that, or is it too early? Um, luckily it's, luckily it's probably too early. Um, we had some really random things happen along the way that made me think like, man, <laughs> we're going to get crushed by our customers. Like one time, you know, this is just like one example of just like some random weirdness that can happen as you, um, you know, as, as well as you plan for things to go, you can't plan for every eventuality. So like one example we were waiting for a shipment of razors and the train that the razors were on derailed. Ah, <laughs> True <wow>. story, bro. <laughs> Crazy. So like the whole time we're telling the customers, yeah, you know, the stuff is going to be in the mail by Wednesday because we expect the shipment by Tuesday. And yeah, we had a, a train derailment that pushed everything back by, I can't remember how many days. And, you know, pissed off customers, you know, like people threatened to cancel the whole deal. So like we've, we've had like a few instances like this where, um, you know, it looked like our, our company could, could be cut in half overnight, but luckily, you know, if you kind of, kind of communicate really, really well and, you know, be as proactive as possible with, with when things go wrong, you can kind of bounce back from a lot of things that may seem like, okay, this could be career ending. Um, so luckily we've been able to make it through and, you know, hopefully we're, we're able to keep things going. But uh, I just wanted to mention that, I, you know, as things are going to be crazy, no matter what. No, yeah. thanks for the, thanks for the candor, man. It's, 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 I mean, shit's always going to hit the fan. It's, it's really how you deal with it at that point mm-hmm. And it shows what kind of person you are. Right. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. Cool. All right. So a few more questions from my end. Uh, what's sure. one piece of advice you'd give to your 25-year-old self? True. Good question, dude. Um, the one piece I would give is not to overthink it. Not to overthink it. For, for, for myself back then, I would think like, okay, starting a business of any type is like a completely incredible undertaking that seems almost impossible because what I would do is I would 
sit down and say, okay, I need to map out shipping. I need to solve logistics. I need to solve product. I need to solve marketing. I need to solve inventory storage. I need to solve customer service, all these things. And then it will seem so overwhelming that it would be, it would almost be crippling and it would delay my starting and it would just, it would just seem impossible. So I probably would end up not even starting. But now I would tell myself, hey, you just need to solve one thing at a time. So you solve your shipping. Okay, great. You solve your product. Awesome. You solve your branding. Awesome. And you just do them step by step, day by day, solve one single problem. And it all works out. But if you try to solve the whole thing before you even get started, you're, you're never going to get started. Right. It's paralysis by analysis, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I mean, one book too, I think the whole audience can check out. It's There's this book called The One Thing, and I think it really touches upon what you just mentioned. So um, great book for people to check out. Um, awesome. Now, what's one productivity hack you can share? Um, sure. So like one thing that – and I got this from maybe Lifehacker. I can't remember. But if you are kind of – or you feel that you're in a procrastination mode, which happens to all of us, um, set, set yourself a timer. Um, there is, um, you know, you can set yourself a timer on your stopwatch or on your, you know, on your laptop and say, okay, I'm going to work for 15 minutes. That's it, 15 minutes. At the end of 15 minutes, I'm going to stop and go do something else. And very often you'll find that at the end of that 15 minutes, whatever feelings of procrastination or or laziness that you had before you started is pretty much gone and you can kind of push through and get quite a bit done so that's that's something that you know um folks can do this pretty easily a 15 minute stopwatch start working and you know and if you if you stop at 15 minutes that's fine too but that's that's kind of it I love it. Yeah, no, that totally works. And it's something that, um, you know, I tend to get ADD sometimes too. So yeah. I, I use this little timer thing, but it, it totally works. It, it gets you, it focuses you and mm-hmm. you feel like you're doing something. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, what's one must read book you recommend to everyone? Sure. So um, my book is actually a list of one. So <laughs> it's, 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 I always recommend the same one. It's called Made to Stick. Um, why Some Ideas survive and others die that may not be the exact um subtitle but it's very similar to that but it's called made to stick and this book is about communicating uh, well i kind of say communicating online but it's really about communication like so they would say um if you're selling a hammer and a nail you don't want to say okay i'm selling a hammer and a nail you want to say that you're selling the ability for some person to hang a picture of their families and you know and you can look at that picture and you feel great about it and you feel connected to your family so that's what you're really selling as opposed to talk about selling a hammer and a nail which is you know very mundane and non-inspirational right so that's that's a book that I really I really really love and I go back to over and over again on how to communicate online and just how to communicate in general when it comes to um, branding and selling and, and making things as simple as possible. Perfect. So yeah. Rohan, what's the best way for people to find you online? 
Um, the best way is um, Twitter.com, Rohan Jilts. Um, Facebook.com, um, uh, Groove Learning. Uh, we have a Groove Learning group, and I hang out in there every single day talking about business and, and growth and startups, the whole deal. Um, and Facebook.com, um, Rohan R. Jokes as well. And people can email me if they like at Rohan at um, GrooveLiving.com or Rohan at WetShaveClub.com. Perfect. So, Rohan, everyone, this is Rohan Jokes. Rohan, thanks so much for doing this. Yep. Thanks for having me, man. I, I really appreciate it very much. All right. Take care. All right. You too. What's the number one problem all businesses face? It's not sales, marketing, or product market fit. It's hiring. We know just how hard it is. So we've compiled 25 hiring tips from top CEOs that I've interviewed here on Growth Everywhere and put it into a free resource just for you. Text 25 tips to 33 444 to get the free resource now. Again, it is 25 to number 25 tips, T-I-P-S to double three, triple four, and you'll get the free resource. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.